Well, good morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21. Uh, Matthew 21, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. And also, if you'll do me a favor and turn to one other place in Scripture. Uh, this, this one might be a little bit harder to find than the book of Matthew, but if you'll turn to uh, the book of Zechariah, one of those Old Testament minor prophets, Zechariah chapter 9. Might have to go to like the front of your Bible, table of contents. But Zechariah chapter 9, uh, we'll read that actually in two different points in the sermon. We'll look to that Old Testament prophet and get some insight from him as well. But our main text, like I said, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Over the past several weeks, Chad has been preaching through this series called Whatever It Takes, leading into this campaign called Whatever It Takes, right? We've been uh, talking about our mission here at Colonial Heights, that together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We've been talking about how we belong and we gather and we send. And then we talked about our vision, those four points of we want to know our people, we want to love our community, and then this is where the campaign comes in. We want to end our debt so that we can most effectively reach our world. And so the reason I bring all that up is we kind of change focus a little bit today with it being Palm Sunday and fixing our eyes towards Good Friday and one week from today, Easter Sunday. I bring all that up to ask the question, if we want to reach our world, what do we want to reach them with? And hopefully you know that answer. Hopefully everyone would be in one accord there that we want to go out to all the world so that they can know the good news of Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, risen again in victory over sin and death. We want to go out to the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And so, as David mentioned, this week is a really important week for us, the church. This is the, the truth of Jesus on the cross and the truth of the empty tomb. These are things that we should be proclaiming every week, every day of our lives, but this particular week leading into next Sunday is a special time for us. It's where we wanna give it even more emphasis than we regularly would. And that really starts today as we focus on Palm Sunday, the first day in Holy Week. As, Jesus, as, um, as Chad said in the video, Jesus fixes his eyes towards Jerusalem and he begins walking toward the cross. And so I want to read this together today as we begin Holy Week and we see what happened on this Palm Sunday so many years ago, Matthew 21, beginning in verse one. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So the first thing I want us to see today as we look to this this story, this Palm Sunday, is the arrival of the king, the arrival of the king. This is Jesus making his grand entrance into the city of Jerusalem. I got to thinking about some uh, other types of, or other people who might make a grand entrance into some kind of situation. I thought about like in a like sports context, like maybe on a Friday night high school football game or even like you know, college or, or pros, like the home team running out onto the field, right? The music's playing, and you've got everybody's like hyped up. They're trying to get the, the home crowd uh, uh, just excited and on their feet, uh, cheering them on. And so maybe there's music and lights, sometimes maybe even like fireworks, like it's a spectacle, right? The team is making their grand entrance. I also thought about a sim- a, actually a, a different kind of situation, a different sort of grand entrance. I thought about a wedding. I thought about uh, the, the one time where I got to be on the stage and many times where I was just someone in the crowd in a church or some other place and the service is beginning but then the music changes and everybody stands up and everybody turns their focus to the back of the room, right? Because the bride is coming. You think about these grand entrances We want to fix our attention on a certain people or a certain group of people. We we want to um, achieve a certain purpose for making that grand entrance. And so when Jesus makes his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, he had a purpose as well. There was something that he was wanting to to achieve in, in the hearts and minds of the people here and in us today. So what we need to know first when we look at his arrival into Jerusalem, we see that Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to bring peace. If you were listening to the text from the book of Matthew as we read it, this particular passage of scripture spends a lot of time talking about a donkey, right? It's like Jesus apparently feels like this is a really important thing for him to have, right? He's like, all right, Get two guys, two of my disciples, I need you guys to go into the city, bring this donkey back to me. It's really important. We're gonna find it's gonna be tied to a tree. Uh, There might be some people there who are like, why are you taking my donkey? But just tell them the Lord needs it. I need you to bring the donkey to me. Like it's a big deal that he rides into town on a donkey of all animals. And and the Gospel of Matthew actually points out that this is a, a cult. Like it says that the mother is still with it. They actually bring both of them. And so this is a young donkey. This is not at all how we would imagine a king making his triumphant entry. Like if, if, any, like if a full-grown man, full-size man came riding into this room on a tiny little donkey, we're not gonna be in like awe and majesty of that, right? We're gonna be giggling like you guys are doing right now. You're just envisioning it. But this is important to Jesus. 
This is what he commanded. This is what he needed to happen. And the reason for that is, yeah, in most cases when a king was coming into town, announcing his arrival, he came riding in on a horse. And, and that image of a king on his horse Maybe that does instill that sense of majesty in you, makes you think, oh, this is, you can tell this is an important person. And, and that symbol of the, the king riding in on the horse, that was the symbol of victory. It was a symbol of him coming in to, to conquer this city or he has already conquered it and he's just declaring his victory over it. But when Jesus came riding in on this donkey, it was not to declare war, it was not yet to declare victory, it was to declare peace. The donkey was a symbol of peace. So as he's coming into town on the donkey, he's declaring peace to these people and to us. And this message of peace, you would imagine would be one that would have been well received by the people of Jerusalem. I mean, who doesn't want to have peace, right? I mean, we, we live in a pretty, um, like in a difficult world, there are really difficult things happening right now in, out in the world, things that cause us to be worried, maybe have fear and anxiety. There's things going on in your individual lives, hard times that you are walking through. We were praying for people this morning of um, people who have passed away. And so we, some of people that are going to minister to those people, people that we know of who are sick and in the hospital, people who are going through difficult times in their marriage or as parents or just all the different things that can happen in our lives. And we would say, yes, Jesus, I need some of your peace. But what we need to realize is that when Jesus brings us peace, he's not just bringing us peace in our present circumstances. Now, that is true, he does bring us that. If we want peace in, uh, all of our hard times, if we want peace in our difficult circumstances, then Jesus is the source of that peace. But when he brings peace, he's actually bringing more than just peace in our difficult circumstances. He's actually making peace between us and God. So here's the thing, we're sinful people. And as sinful people, we deserve to be punished. Romans says that the wages of sin is death. And when God talks about death, he's not talking about just us passing away and being buried in the ground. He's talking about spiritual death. That means eternal separation from God in a place called hell. We are sinful people and we deserve to be punished. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden, when they broke the one rule that God had given them, they did the one thing God said don't do, that was an act of spiritual treason against God. It was an outright rebellion and defiance against God, thus making all of mankind enemies with God. So if sinful humans are God's enemies, then that means by nature, we are in a state of conflict, a state of war with God, and by the way, that's a war we're gonna lose. It's a war that we don't have any hope in. But what we do in our sinfulness, we, just like Adam and Eve did, we declare that we know better. God, I know this is what your word says. I know this is how you tell me to live. And this is how, uh, if I do these things, that's gonna be best for me. But I think I'd rather do this instead, God. I think I'd rather do things my way. 
and we commit that same act of rebellion, and we deserve the exact same punishment. We have decided that we want to be enemies with God in our sinfulness, but Jesus comes to make peace. He, he brokers the treaty, right? He comes in and he makes peace between us and God the Father so that we can put an end to those hostilities, that we can know true peace, not just temporary peace right here in this earth in the midst of our trying times, but eternal peace that we can experience eternity in his presence. Jesus came to bring peace. The book of Colossians tells us that he achieved that peace by the blood of his cross. That is what he came to do. That is what this donkey represents for us. Jesus came to bring peace and Jesus came to fulfill prophecy. Jesus came to fulfill prophecy. In verse five, um, you can look and you see there's a quotation. Well, earlier I asked you to turn to the book of Zechariah. I know this is actually a quote from Zechariah, but I would go ahead and turn there, if you will, uh, Zechariah chapter nine. The reason I want you to actually turn there is because when Matthew, the gospel writer, quotes it, he doesn't actually quote the whole thing. If you compare the two, he actually leaves a couple of words out, a few lines out, and I want us to see the, the full text here. Zechariah chapter nine, Verse nine, the, pro <clears throat> the prophet writes, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, so he, he foretells, he predicts, prophesies that the Messiah is going to come into Zion, come into Jerusalem, mounted on the donkey, on the colt. But the line that Matthew, the gospel writer, actually leaves out is he tells us, Zechariah actually tells us a little bit about this Messiah. And the line right before that, he says, righteous and having salvation. And that's exactly what we talked about. That's what his peace is really about. It's about the salvation that he brings to us. And so this is to fulfill this prophecy that Zechariah had written over 500 years before it actually happened. And so isn't that awesome that, that God like, foretold 500 years beforehand that this is exactly what's gonna happen? Well, if you're impressed by 500 years before, I wanna impress you even more. You don't have to turn there, but I'm gonna read to you. I didn't ask you to turn there in advance, but I'll go ahead and just flip in my Bible to the book of Genesis, chapter 49. This is again, this is a prophecy of what's gonna happen for someone from the tribe of Judah. And by the way, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. And verse 10, it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes not just 500 years beforehand in the book of Zechariah, all the way back to the book of Genesis, God is telling us this is what's gonna happen. The one who is a descendant of the tribe of Judah, the one who is a descendant of, the, of, of David, he is going to come into Jerusalem riding on this donkey to declare peace to his people. 
This was determined before the foundation of the world that Jesus was going to come to bring salvation for us. I wanna ask you, go ahead and keep your marker there in the Zechariah chapter nine. We're actually gonna come back to it, but go ahead and flip back to Matthew 21 as we also want to look at the acknowledgement of the people. We saw the arrival of the king, now we need to see the acknowledgement of the people. We wanna see how the people responded to Jesus as he came riding into the city. And this is one of those perception versus reality situations, right? If we just take it at face value, what we read from the text, people are shouting, people are laying their cloaks and palm branches on the road. It looks like they are very receptive to Jesus as he's coming in. But, but what we need to understand is that there's possibly some ulterior motives happening here in the way that they are receiving King Jesus. So first, let's see that they, they welcomed Jesus as king. They did welcome Jesus as king. Verse eight says, most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. Okay, so what's happening here? While we put in our, our coats and some tree branches in the road that Jesus is actually coming down on the donkey on. Well, the, the practice of putting cloaks out on the road was a, a, a way of, uh, of welcoming someone of royalty. So for us today, we would say, if we have an honored guest coming into our home, we would say we wanna roll out the red carpet for them, right? And so that's essentially what's happening here. Taking off your cloak, putting it on the road in front of the king was a way of welcoming them, of displaying honor to them as they approached your city. And then uh, it says that they, they cut branches from trees. And it doesn't specify what kind of branches, but the Gospel of John tells us they were palm branches, and that's why we call it Palm Sunday today, right? Um, they cut these branches, these palm branches off, and they, they laid them in the road as well. The palm branches were a sign of military victory. We talked about the king coming in on his, on his horse, right, to declare victory as a conquering king well, the people would have been waving these palm branches or putting these palm branches in the road to, uh, to declare their support for this victorious king. And so what we see these people doing, especially with these palm branches, is they are showing us that their idea of the type of king they want Jesus to be is radically different than the type of king Jesus actually came to be for us. A little bit of background, the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, were not a free people. They didn't have their own independence. They didn't get to uh, rule over themselves. They did have people who were in charge like Herod, but, but even he was uh, like subservient to the power and authority of the Roman Empire. So their king wasn't Herod, their king was Caesar. And they didn't like that. They were not happy with the fact that, that Rome had power and authority over them, that they had to pay taxes to this emperor that they didn't want. They didn't want to do that. And so when Jesus is coming into town, what they're wanting is an earthly ruler. They're wanting a new earthly king who is going to come and establish independence, political independence, political freedom for them. 
And so they were not wanting or expecting the type of king that Jesus really wanted to be. We see that more as we notice that not only did they welcome Jesus as king, but they also proclaimed Jesus as Messiah. They proclaimed Jesus as Messiah. Verse nine says, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so they refer to Jesus as the son of David. This is a messianic title because they had been promised the Messiah who was going to come to save them. And they knew that this Messiah was going to come from the line of David, David, the lineage of David. And so they are recognizing him as this Messiah and they are crying out this word, Hosanna, which means save us, maybe save us now, or I saw one place, please save us. They're asking for salvation. And we've talked about already how Jesus is the source of salvation. It's through his work on the cross that we can be saved from the judgment that we deserve, but that's not the kind of salvation they were really wanting. No, they wanted to be rescued from Rome. So once again, we see that they are wanting this, uh, this temporary earthly kingdom, but they're thinking too small because Jesus came to bring them so much more. These people simply saw Jesus as a means to an end. He's the political leader who's gonna give us what we want. But he came to rescue them, not from Rome, not from uh, just in a bad political situation of not having that uh, independence as a nation that they were wanting. No, he came to rescue them from sin and from death. That leads us directly into how we need to respond. We've looked at how they responded to Jesus, how they acknowledged Jesus and perhaps in the wrong way, but we now need to look at the application for the church. The application for the church. You see, the people back then got it wrong. He said, maybe they were doing the right things, maybe they were saying the right things, but they weren't doing those things in the right heart. And Jesus throughout his ministry taught us that what's on the outside, the things that you say, the things that you do, on the outside matter way less than what's going on in the inside. Jesus cares way more about what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. And when it came to their hearts, they got this all wrong. But today, we have the chance to get it right. We have the opportunity to respond to Jesus in the right way. So how are we going to achieve that? You see, Jesus, Jesus came to bring peace. We, we established that earlier. Jesus came to bring peace. And if that's the case, then we as his church, we need to declare his peace. We need to declare his peace. We need to, we said that those people back then, they were thinking too small. They were thinking that, oh, this Jesus, he's going to come, he's going to establish this new, this new Israel, this new earthly kingdom of Israel, and he's going to defeat our enemies, and we're gonna be able to live in prosperity because of him. And as great as the, of a dream 
as that is, that's too small of a dream. Jesus wanted to do so much more for them and he has achieved so much more for us. But he didn't just come to save them from Rome. He didn't just come to declare this physical temporary salvation. Jesus came to establish peace between God and man, which is a spiritual salvation. It is an eternal salvation. And so we today have a better understanding by God's grace. We have a better understanding of what Jesus was wanting to do and what he did achieve. But if we think that the salvation he brought was just for us, if it's a salvation, it's a gift, free gift that he's given to us for us to just keep and hang on to, and it's only about us or just, just about us, the people in this room, then we're thinking too small too. Because the gift of salvation is not just meant for you as an individual. It is a gift that is meant to be shared with everyone in the world. It is a gift that is, that is meant to be taken to the ends of the earth. And we as his church have a responsibility to proclaim it to those people, to proclaim this peace, to declare the peace that, God has, that Christ has established between God and man to people all over the world, especially those who have no access to it yet. Earlier, we looked at Zechariah, and so if you don't mind, flip back to Zechariah real quick, Zechariah chapter nine. So we read verse nine, and it was this verse proclaiming that the the Messiah was gonna come in riding on a donkey, but I also want you to look at the very next verse, verse 10. He says, verse nine, He's gonna come in humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Then verse 10 says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. Pay attention to this. It says, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. If you were here last week and Chad was preaching on that, that sermon, Reach Our World, right? And so he was going through all these Old Testament stories, Old Testament stories that we're familiar with. And he was pointing out that the point of those Old Testament stories was for the name of the one true God to be declared to all the nations. Well, this story, this familiar story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the donkey, what was the point of this? It was so that the peace he was coming to bring would be spoken to the nations. His kingdom shall rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. But not only does this peace that comes from Christ, the the peace that he has established between God and man, not only is it for us to take to the ends of the earth, it's very likely that it's for someone in this room right now. It's very likely that there are people in this room who do not know that peace. In this story, we saw that the people had these palm branches, and they were shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. Well, uh, one of our staff members, Jerry Welch, pointed out to me, it was actually week before this past week, um, we were talking about this story and he shared with me that there's one other place in the Bible 
where we see people holding palm branches. And it's actually a passage of scripture that if you are, like, spend any time here at all, really at Colonial Heights, it's a passage of scripture you probably are familiar with because our pastor, Chad, reads it to us pretty often. It's Revelation chapter seven. He says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. See, on Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday, they had these palm branches and they're crying out, God, save us, save us. There is coming a day when Jesus is not gonna be riding in on a donkey. He's gonna be riding in on the great white horse. And on that day, people will be holding palm branches again. They're not gonna be crying out, save us, save us. No, they're gonna be crying out, salvation belongs to our God. Maybe you need to experience that salvation today. Maybe you are in need of this true eternal peace. Maybe you are in need of Jesus to come into your life to, so that you can experience that peace that comes in salvation, the peace that comes from confessing him as your savior and Lord and turning away from your sins. And if that is a conversation you need to have today, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to come forward in just a moment as we begin to sing, or maybe even after the service is over today, there's a, a room right over here to my left, to the right of the stage. We'll have some counselors in there who would love to talk to you about whatever decision it is you feel the Lord leading you to make. Please take advantage of that opportunity and be obedient to whatever it is that you feel God calling you to do. But one last thing, not only do we need to declare his peace, as his church, we need to give him praise. We give him praise. Uh, the, the story of Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, this is one of those stories that actually appears in all four gospels. And that means that the four different accounts share different details. Like there's some things that one of them will say that the other one doesn't and vice versa. Well, in the book of Luke, this is Luke 19 verses 39 and 40. It says, after all this is happening, the people are crying out, says some of the Pharisees in the crowd came to Jesus and said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus responds to them and says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Church, we have a savior who has brought us peace. We do not need to remain silent. We need to stand and sing together and give him highest praise.